I mean, I started, you know, drugs here and there in high school. But um, after I graduated, I guess, and moved, you know, out, um, it got a little more consistent. I just felt really numb and apathetic. You know, I did a lot of things that felt almost like out of my control just because I had, you know, it's almost like I turned my feelings off. I had two really awesome parents who did everything in their power to teach me, take me to church, encourage me to seek God, all that good stuff. However, like a lot of people, I did rebel when I was a teenager, made a lot of mistakes, so on and so forth. Um, I met Donnie um, when I was 20 years old. Um, I had known him before that. Our friends dated and always tried to hook us up. Um, it wasn't until I saw him at a party and I stalked him on Facebook and found him and I lurked and lurked. And uh, anyway, I got the courage to message him. Um, and we started hanging out. The first time I ever met him, I just knew he was just so different than anyone I had ever met. I just, I fell in love with Donnie immediately. <laughs> he probably didn't feel that way, but <laughs> I knew right away. It took him time, but I knew, I knew when I met him. There was no question. And basically we just grew from there. I mean, Stephanie, she's like a straight up just girl version of me. So, I mean, all the spooky stuff and, you know, Halloween and movies, we like similar things. So she's like a, a spooky vampire girl. And I liked her and, um, you know, we were very different at first. Stephanie hardly talked and I was really guarded too. And things were pretty rough for a while there. We were both doing a lot of things to hurt each other. I think it's just what we were used to. Um, we didn't know what a normal relationship should be like. And it's of no fault of our parents or anything like that. We were just two very broken people. Um, and, you know, we were just toxic to each other for a long time. I got mixed up with another girl and it was on my 23rd uh, birthday and this other girl contacted her. The girl had told me, she sent me all the receipts, screenshots, all that, it was gross. But I knew I loved Donnie and I knew that wasn't who he was. I knew that he was dealing with some demons inside of him. I knew he had some issues and that was the manifestation of it that that had to happen in our relationship for us to move forward. It just, it sucks and it is what it is. And that's when we really started saying we need something bigger than us. That was, that was like the turning point in my life where I just gave all of my issues, you know, to God. I trusted that he, you know, I finally trusted that he had power over my life. That I could say, you know, take the sexual addiction, you know, take the alcohol and the drugs and I want you to just take it out of my life. Stephanie actually um, chose to forgive me, which was huge, you know, that was also a, like a huge turning point. We actually started to, you know, we got, our relationship got a lot deeper. You know, it really, it really turned our focus um, and we realized that we needed to do something different to make it work. So long story short, we started going to Unite and, um, I felt that time that I was just too dirty, I was too broken, and I was still living the same life. So I would go to church, I'd go to youth groups, and I did want to know God, and I tried, I tried. Um, but that didn't happen for a long time, and um, 
that that's just how my journey went. I think that God was still using those not so great friends um, and not so great environments and things like that to keep showing me that this isn't the life you need to live and this isn't going to be your your future or your forever this is just now and he used a lot of that pain and experience to help me seek him as i got more involved plugged into um, playing music for god and you know live city that would just give me like pure joy like you know i was taking what i used to do and using it for God. And I think that um, brushed off on Stephanie a little bit too. So I think uh, her getting baptized, you know, she wanted to, she wanted to put it out there. All I can say is just that, you know, all that pain and those dark times and loss of people that we loved and, um, you know, hurting each other, all that stuff, it sucks and it's dirty and it's disgusting. But all of that ultimately is what led um, us to God and to each other and to where we are now. So we got engaged. Um, I took an, her on a motorcycle ride to a park and I got some fried chicken from an A&W and I put the ring <laughs> in a bottle of this uh, spooky uh, witch's brew wine and I put the ring on a A&W chicken finger and she went to go eat it and she saw the ring and that's how I proposed to her. Um, <laughs> we try to do our little devotionals or we try to do, you know, we try to wake up early with each other and read our little Bible plans and things like that. Um, but we, you know, we forget just like everybody else. Sometimes you sleep in, stuff happens. But um, just making those little changes and little alterations to our life has really helped us keep focused on God. Um, one of the things that I do is keep Christian radio on in the car. I still love my radio rap and all of that good stuff. And if you drive down the street next to me, you'll probably see me singing my heart out, out of key, to my daughter in the back seat. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. My baby's probably crying about it, but that's what we do. Like I said, when I was younger, I was apathetic. I mean, I had like, I mean, for a while there, I had like no human feelings. It seemed like it all. And now I look at my my kids and I mean they can be upset for the smallest thing and it just like breaks my heart so my advice to anyone in a similar situation is to ask God for strength um, just give your problems to him and believe that he has control over your life and then after you give those things to God I would just get plugged into you know anything you can you know with good Christian people you know surround yourself with good people and you'll find that like joy that you are seeking. What's been missing in your life? My name is Donnie Goddard. My name is Stephanie Goddard and I am Metro. And I am Metro. Oh man, that was awesome, wasn't it? Wasn't that, wasn't that good? Um, man, welcome to Metro, my name is Chris. Uh, so uh, I'm pumped to be here. Uh, man, I know it's, I've been in and out, and life's crazy for us. As Stephanie was saying, we're going to plant a church. Um, super exciting for us, but it's crazy time. And just kind of where I'm at um, is, is God has just got me on a journey, you know? And I think for tonight, um, we're in this trust series. 
right? Um, and I really just want to take you and invite you on the journey that God's got me on, that he's been kind of moving me on. And so to kind of start, um, if you just bow your heads, I'm just going to ask us to pray because um, I really think there's something supernatural that happens when we bow our heads before God. And so Jesus, um, God, God, you're God and we're not. Um, and God, there's so many emotions in the room. Um, God, there's people that are far from you. God, people that are close to you, people that are hurting. God, all over the map. But God, here's what we know is your God. And God, what we need is more of you. And so God, in this moment, somehow in this space, transcend from heaven to earth. God, in this moment, just speak into our hearts and lives. And God, for the next few moments, it's, it's, it might seem like something normal, but God, let it be something supernatural. God, shift us, move us. Dare I say that what happens over the next few minutes, God, change eternity and the rest of our lives just because we get a snapshot of you. And God, let that be where we start. And God, let that be where we end, where we know you a little bit more today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. To kind of start, I want to start asking this question. It's, it's because it's a question that I've been asking myself lately. Um, it's a question that I think that we miss often. And I, the question is simply this, is why did you show up today? I mean, we're in church, right? Have you ever just stopped to ask, why did I come to church? Like, why is it? Like, I, I, I've been in church most of my life, and I've never asked that question. You know, like, maybe for some of you, it's a habit. You know, like, uh, mom and dad started bringing you, and it's a weekly thing, and so you just kept the habit, and it's who you are. Uh, maybe, maybe it's kids. You know, you don't want your kids to grow up without God or, or, or to not know about him, and so your duty here is more to do with what's happening back there in our kids' ministry, but you just show up, and it's what you do. Or maybe, maybe there's a hurt, there's a pain, there's something that you're going, man, God, I, 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 I've been lost, I haven't been to church in a while, but I got this problem, and so I'm going to step in, and dun, 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 God, I need you to jump into my life. Like, why? Why are you here? Um, it's a question I've been asking myself, just especially moving towards church planting, the question I'm asking myself, why plant a church? <laughs> you know, it's a noble cause, you know, but at the end of the day, this is the only church I know. Like, this is the only church I've ever pastored at, and we're about to uproot my family, take off, and I'm asking just myself this question, is why even do it? Like, why are we here? And I think your question, my question, has the same answer. Where for me, if I'm planning a church for any other reason, or if you're here for any other reason than to glorify God, then you have completely missed the boat. Which might sound weird if you're new, because because you're going whoa 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 whoa. I thought it was about the streets of gold, the mansions, eternity, heaven. Hello, right? And yeah, it, that that's going to be there. But what are we doing on this earth? What is the goal? The goal and the point and the purpose is just for us to be in this position of worshiping and glorifying this magnificent God. That's what we are. We're scriptures. If you open up scriptures to this one text, a pastor, a church planner, a guy named Paul, 
started to write into us. And he writes this command to us in 1 Corinthians 10.31. And he says this, so what, whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the what? To the glory. Say it one more time. The what? The glory of God. And so what he means is exactly what he says. So whatever you eat, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you drink, preferably soda or something non-alcoholic, right? Um, whatever you drink, okay, you got to make that separation. We're in church. Whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God or whatever you do. So think about being with your family, watching TV, being with your friends in your workplace. Whatever you do, wherever you're at, give all glory to God, which sounds awesome. If you've been born in church, you're seven years old, and you have no life problems. For the rest of us, man, I just come into my life, I sometimes doubt God loves me. I sometimes doubt God's goodness. Man, I, sometimes I got things happening in my life, and I'm juggling them. I'm going, God, are you even there? Have you ever been there? Like right now, like I, I've had this past couple weeks. Now, I'm telling you what, the carpet has been ripped out from underneath my family. I feel like we're in a tailspin with some of the things that have transpired in our lives. And I'll just be honest, in that moment, I'm like, glory to God. In fact, me as the preacher, I'm almost like, as I say it, I'm like, look, y'all should throw punch me, shut up, get this guy off the stage because I don't feel like giving glory to God or struggling here. I don't know if you've ever been there, but for me, I really do believe that. And then here we are in this series called Trust, right? Trust. And here's the question is how do we trust God when life hurts most? How do we trust God when we're unsure? How do we trust God and give glory to God in all aspects of life? How do we do it? And I think it comes through two things. Two things. Is number one, it starts with a relationship. Right? Like there's this moment, if you go back to last week in the series, like Jeremy talked about, is it takes a different spirit to come before God. There's this moment in time and it happens in a moment where you see God and you see yourself and go, man, I need a savior. I need help. And boom, salvation happens in a moment, right? Like it is awesome. It is epic. That relationship starts. But then number two, it's a process. And man, that makes me feel a lot better about myself. Yeah, I mean, in fact, one of, one of my uh, a theologian, a guy that I love, love, love this quote, he says this. He says, the conversion of a soul is a miracle of a moment. Is that not true? Like whether you're in church or at home in your bed or driving in your car, there's just this moment where you go, God, and you reach out your hand and here's God that just grabs you up a moment. But I love the second part, but the manufacturing of a saint is the task of a lifetime. Where I think the big idea, where I wanna land today and just kinda walk us through for the rest of our time here is this big idea is that when it comes to trust, trusting God, trust is a process. And if you're standing there and you got your bulletin in your hands, especially you type A people, you're going, whoa! The bulletin says trust is hard work. Okay, well, we messed that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> because as I started thinking through this, and I'm going, man, when it comes to God, trust is a process. Because what happens when you come into a relationship with God is it's just like any other relationship. 
Trust is a process in all relationships. For example, think about marriage, right? Married people, isn't marriage, trust in a marriage a process? And here's what I know is that that is always a process. I'm 12 years into marriage. And like I said, my world is spinning. It just is where for the last three years, man, we've had the best gift in the world given to us where we could financially have my wife stay at home. Woo, that was awesome. Now she's back to work and we got problems, okay? Because I, I, I am not good at being Mr. Dad I, or Mr. Mom. I'm sorry, Mr. Mom. Yeah, I, I wouldn't wanna, like, I'm just not good at that. And so what happens? She went back to work. Now guess who's getting the kids ready for school? Oh, Pastor Pete, guess who's not good at getting kids to school? Me, right? And so what happens is we're, we're going through life and I mean, I'm getting kids to school and then we go to work and then I'm picking them up, going there, doing doctor's appointment. I mean, it's crazy the things she did. Now I'm having to do them. And then here's the best part is as husband and wife, our life has changed now. We have kids, we have two people working and now we come home after it's all done and we have dinner. Mainly she cooks because I can't. If it's on me, we buy it. Um, but then there's that moment where we're sitting down and eating. And all is done, and we get done eating. There's dishes everywhere, and it's like, oh, I can breathe. But there's a mess, right? And then here's the point, right? So me and my wife, we had this little spat the other day where we had this stare down, right? Where there's all this mess, and someone's got to clean it up. And so I'm locking eyes with her. She's locking eyes with me, and I'm like, I'm not moving. First one to blink, wash the dishes, you know? And we, you know, we got this thing going back and forth. And so finally, like, she's not budging, I'm not budging, and I'm like, fine, I will wash the dishes, right? And so we're over there washing them, you know, and I'm noticing, okay, I caved. And she's not getting happier. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. So, you know, I started doing, like, washing sexy, you know? Like, kind of like, hey, hey, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know? And still, it's not working. So if I'm starting to get mad, so I'm washing these dishes, and at this point, I'm like grinding into this thing. I'm like going, ah, and then finally I was like, boom, smash them down. And you're like, what is the problem? I'm doing the dishes. Why are you not happy? And she goes, because you don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> Whoever wants to do the dishes, you know? And she's like, she, and I'm like going, this makes no sense. She's like, no, I want you to want to wash the dishes. And, and, I'm, and there's this back forth. It's a process, man. Marriage, relationships, it's a process. And it's the same with God. Don't miss that. Because I don't care where you're at on the spiritual map. You could have walked in here and you have no relationship with God. You are far from God. It's a process. You can be here and like I said, you're like the one that was born in church. You haven't missed a day. You serve here, even for you. It's a process. And here's what I know is that life hurts for you as it does me. Unforeseen things come into our lives. And in those moments when life hurts, when life's happening, what do you need and what do I need? A pastor to come up here and give you a three-point life plan? Do we need three steps to a better life? What, is that what we need? No. What you need and what I need to trust God and to start this process is to know, and don't miss this, and I mean know who God is and the depths of our soul because that builds the foundation. So here's what I want to do for the next few moments. 
If you have a Bible, I just want you to jump over to Luke chapter 15. And what I want to do is I just want us to, to get a concept and a big picture of who God is. And I don't want you to really see yourself in this, but I want us to see who God is in this story. And so in Luke chapter 15, Jesus starts to teach. Again, I love this about Jesus because whenever Jesus teaches, you got to understand Jesus was in heaven and then came down to earth. So whatever he taught was totally backwards, you know, like when we talk about heaven, like we, all we know is earth, but Jesus, the reason he was blow people's minds, because he saw it all. He was there living it and then came down to earth. And so he would teach us about who God was in earthly terms. And so at this point, Jesus is rocking the known world, especially the religious world by Luke 15. By Luke 15, he had healed people. He had walked on water. Jesus had performed miracles. And then more than that, through this whole period of his public ministry, he was walking with pimps, prostitutes, and sinners. Translation, people that were furthest and farthest from God that you could ever think or imagine. Which also means no matter what you're into, Jesus still loves you. Hello. Right? But Jesus is there, and then here's what I love, is that, is that Jesus is rolling. He's got all these people around him. Luke 15 says this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Okay, so these people far from God are walking into Jesus, and they're all gathered around, leaning in to hear, and it says this. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these were the religious people, the pastors, the, 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 the church people, the good people of society. Okay, so there's this dichotomy, people super far from God, super religious people, and then they say this, this man, talking of Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. How dare he? And so Jesus, because he's super awesome, understands what's happening. And he's going, okay, 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 okay. We got some bad apples in this crowd, not to point you out, but let me tell you a few stories. So then Jesus busts into story time to kind of clear up what he's doing. Right? And the very first story Jesus goes through in Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. He basically tells the story of a shepherd that leaves the 99 to go after the one. That was the song we just sang, right? Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. And when he finds the one, verse 6, it says this, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. He's going, yes, we found it. Yes, we got the stray. Yes, we are a family again. The religious people are like... I don't get it. And so Jesus is like, okay, story number two, story of a lost coin. Basically, there's this woman in her house. She loses something valuable. Translation, you are here because you are valuable to God. He sent Jesus to pay for you because your value is based on your worth. Your worth is what was paid for you, meaning you are worth Jesus to God, his son. That's crazy. So this woman, he, Jesus is like, okay, let me tell you about these sinners, okay, how valuable they are. And so Jesus starts to tell a story about this woman losing a coin. She tears her house apart, cleans it all up to find one coin. When she finds it, verse 9, it says this, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over God, over one sinner who repents. And the religious people seems to have not gotten it again. And so Jesus launches to a third story, and it's way more detailed. 
And this is what I want to spend some time in because Jesus goes, okay, okay, okay. Maybe you're not getting it. God loves the unlovable. God's heart are for the people far from God, right? And they're going, I, I just, why? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not getting it. And, and so Jesus is like, okay, let me teach you about who God is. And if you grew up in church, you know what story's coming. It's a story of the prodigal son. But here's what I want you to know is that if you've heard this story before, maybe it's new to you. Yeah, we're going to find ourselves in this story, but here's what I want you to zoom in on is what's this tell us about God? And so we're just going to track with this and read a little bit and talk a little bit because verse 11 then says, Jesus continued, there's a man who had two sons. How many say that word with me? How many? Two. One more time. How many? Two. Okay. He had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. Now, if you got a Bible app, I'd highlight this verse. If you got a physical Bible, I would underline those two words. Give me, give me, give me, because the position of the younger was saying, hey, dad, your goal is to serve me. It's to make my life better. It's to say, hey, dad, give me a better life without you. That's what he's saying, because tradition shows there's two sons. Oldest son gets two-thirds of the wealth or the estate. One-third goes to the youngest son. And so I don't know if they had family issues. We don't have to have that family problems. But basically, when this kid asks for the inheritance, he's going, Dad, I wish you were dead. I can make a better life without you. And what's crazy is how many people have the same perspective with God? See, one of the things I think is wrong in modern day Christianity is we think God is there to serve us. Like somehow we've, we've got the relationship messed up and upside down where we think God exists to serve me. God owes me something. God deserves to make me happy. Even the best of Christians, I would argue, has this role and this prerogative and perspective of God. And I know we push back and we're like, whoa, 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 Not me. <laughs> this is Metro. Ah, not me. Well, think about your prayer life. You want to know who God is to you? Think about how you pray. Because most of us only pray when things are going bad or when we want something. Hey, mother, just go through all the ages in the room. Like you got the kids, the ones in school, young adults, right? Like here's your prayer. How many times have you prayed this? Dear God, give me an A. Right? Like you didn't study for your test and here you're walking to school. You've never prayed a day in the hallways for your school, but you're like, oh, oh, a test. Dear Lord, give me the supernatural A right now. You fail. Dear Lord, let mom and dad not kill me, you know, and give me grace, you know, and that's your prayer. You got the adults. You're like, man, we got money issues. God, make it rain. <laughs> You know, like, God, give me the promotion. How, you prayed that prayer. God, give me a raise. God, help me with my boss. Help me, help me, help me, right? Then you got the single people that are lonely, right? You know, God, give me a date. <laughs> and you take matter into your own hands. You get on t 
Tinder. You know, you're swiping right on everyone because you just want someone, you know? And, and then someone says yes, and you go, yes, God, it's about you because you gave me a date. And then you go on the date and you met online and the dude's a weirdo. And now here's your prayer, kill the date, you know? Like, this is weird, right? But it's crazy how our prayers really are about me. Me, 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 it's all about me. And as long as that is your perspective of God, you have the relationship backwards where ultimately you can't give glory to God, you're glorifying yourself. Where instead of understanding that the call of a Christian is to live in risk and inconvenience and suffering, we start to look for prosperity, wealth, and a better life. And when God doesn't give it to us, we question his goodness. That's one of the scariest places to live because you can't give glory to God. But again, to get to that point is a process. And that's where I want to come back to this kid and this dad because what's crazy is that if you go on to verse 12, it says this, so he, the dad, divided his property between them. Where the dad's just like, fine, son, go for it. Here you go. And he just gives them the estate. And here's what I've learned about God is sometimes he will give us exactly what we want. And sometimes what we want is not exactly best. But it's because there's this process where he's going, man, you got to understand it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about you giving glory to me. And I know that sounds selfish, it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, just track with this story because when you start getting your selfish requests answered, when you start getting this relationship backwards, what always happens when you start to get the things you're asking for? Generally speaking, you take off from the father. And watch this, just come back into this. So the dad gives the son whatever he wants Gives them the estate and it says this, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had had, set off for a distant country, and then squandered his wealth in wild living. Translation, this dude took all his money, all the wealth, and he went and partied it up and had fun. See, we don't read it like that. We read this like it's negative, you know? It's like, oh, 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 it was horrible. He was wild and wasted it all. Yeah, but he was having fun and believing what the lies of the culture. You know, like, you want to know what I think he did in wild living? Just, just, just be very transparent. Look, I think he did the things that our culture says to do that the church would stand against. Like, what I think he did, I think he drank a lot. I think there was probably drugs. I think there was a lot of sex. I think there was the purchasing of that. And don't miss this just because land right here because, look, did you think this kid thought he was going to land here? Like, just play this out. Like, like, whenever you walk away from God, right, you know you're doing things you shouldn't. Maybe it was a bad business deal. Maybe it was a lie. Maybe it was an affair. Maybe it was a relationship. Do you ever believe it's going to land you where it lands you? No. And why is that? Because sin is fun. It really is. If you're, if you're sinning and not having fun, look, I can show you some ways, okay? But, but the problem is the fun ends. And that's where we keep tracking through this. It says this, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. 
And he began to be in need. And why is that? Because as one pastor put it, it says, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go, make you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And so at this point, man, this kid, just to get the picture as he's going, hey, father, hey, dad, get me out of here. I'm going to do it my way. I believe I can make a better life without you. And then it says this, he lost everything. He began to be in need. And it gets worse where it says this, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Now, a Jewish culture, if we were all Jewish, we'd have been like, oh, oh, not pigs. And the reason why is because pigs were ceremonially unclean. They were forbidden. They were like, hey, if there's an animal that slashes around in the dirt and does these things pigs do, look, if you're Jewish, you don't touch them. Like, because you cannot be right with God while slashing around with the pigs. Like, that was just fact known. And so when Jesus is teaching this, he's in their culture. He's going, look, this guy is with the pigs. He is in a state of mind and being completely separated from God. And it says this, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Listen to me, friends, that is what happens when you willingly walk away from God. You end up in a state of being where you are starving to death relationally, starving to death sexually, and you're going, I'm indulging. Why is it not filling? It's because you're in a place God didn't create you to be. And let's just camp here right now because again, 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 if you've, if you've went down those roads, here's what I know, you, you didn't plan on train wrecking your life. I guarantee this kid's story is your story where there's a moment where you decided, God, look, it's all about me, give me, right? And we started that song and dance with God. Maybe it was a family member that got sick. God, make them better. God, give me my mom. God, give me my grandma. They die. God, where are you? It's all about me, right? It's about the finances. It's about the jobs. It's me, me, me. And then God doesn't answer how we want him to. So what happens? We're just like this kid. And we start going down the road. We start taking one step further away from God. We start to dabble. We start to drink. We start to taste. We start to go down roads we never believed we could. And then we pop up back in church. We're all of a sudden, right, we're starting to teach about God. And here's what I know is that there's guilt, there's conviction. You're going, man, if the person next to me knew the thoughts I did or the things I looked at or what I've done this week, there's no way. And so when we sing, you can't lift your hands and sing. When we preach, you just have your phone out on Instagram because you're going, man, I don't want to hear this. And then when we start talking about to give glory to God, it just seems like the stupidest thing in the world because you're like, I don't need to give glory to God. What I need to do is get skinnier. What I need to do is get a relationship. What I need to do is get more money. And all of a sudden we're filling, 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 filling. And what's crazy is you can live the way the world lives, get the perfect body, get the perfect relationship, get the perfect job, and it will still leave you longing for more. And maybe, just maybe, maybe the reason that is is because you weren't built for this place. Maybe the pig, you weren't built for the pig pen. Do you realize that? That humanity is God's crown jewel of creation. And you were built to be with him. 
That's the goal. That's the point. That's the whole promise of this thing. And this kid starts to get it. We're getting verse 17. It says this, when he came to a census, man, I've been praying all week that there'd be a whole lot of people that start coming to your senses where you start to see your relationship with God. Again, this story isn't about you. It's about God and who is God. This kid starts to understand, okay, when the sex is gone, when the money's gone, when the friends are gone, when it's all gone, what is this life about? What have I done? And it says he comes to a sense, he's had this thought. He says this, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He's going, look, look, I used to have it all right. I used to be right with the father. I used to be in the grace. I had it all. And here I am starving, following the life I thought would lead to happiness. And then it says this, I will set out and go back to my what? Father. Say it one more time. The what? The who? One more time. The father. And say to him, father, I have sinned against you. And watch this. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Meaning God, uh, father, I've, I've made my life about me. I've kicked you out of it. I've said it's about me. And now I'm saying it's about you. I'm no longer worthy, watch this, to be called your son. And he says, make me. Notice the difference? The beginning was give me, give me, give me. Now he's going, hey, 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 make me. As if you're the boss. You're the one in control. You know best, dad. Make me like one of your hired men. Like serving you is better than what I've built. And so he got up, man, this is so good, and he goes back to his father, and from the outside looking in, I don't know if you play the Bible like a movie in your head, but I do. Maybe that's why I'm crazy, but, but I, I literally read the Bible, and I'm like, it's like a movie going on in my head, and here's what I know is, what do you think that kid thought about as he walked back to the father? I know what I would think. What if dad doesn't want me back? Isn't that a fair conclusion? Like if it was you going back to dad, you just wasted his money, man. You just blew your life savings, a third of his estate. You dragged the family name through the mud. Heck, you were in the mud. You were with the pigs. You were doing the most detestable things on this side of eternity. And I would just be like this. I'd be going, man, I don't know if God would want me back. Christian in the room, have you ever felt that way? This kid's walking back to the father, and I love this. Watch this. It says this. While he was a long way off, his father saw him. Dad was looking. Dad was watching. Dad saw him, meaning every day he would go to the edge of the field and wait for his son. You want to know what God's love looks like? It looks like this, and it says this. He was filled with compassion. Man, when you feel guilt, when you feel shame, you know that there's a God that loves you so much that he sees you far from him and there's a brokenness in his heart. And I get it. There's a compassion. Then he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. It says, but the father said to the servant. Imagine this exchange. I'd imagine the kid probably fell on his knees. He's going, damn, I'm sorry. And the dad's like, shut up. <laughs> You're home. 
he says this, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fan calf and kill it. We'll have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you see the message of God? Do you see what the God-man relationship's like that somehow, and I don't, I don't really get it, but somehow when we humble ourselves and say, God, it's about you. Man, he lifts us up and he forgives us and he cleans us up. Or you want to know the best part of this story to me? Is did you read anywhere in there that that kid took a shower? <laughs> did a clean shave. Like, I'm going to look my best for daddy. But isn't that what we do in church? Come on. Church is the fairest place in the world. How are you doing? Fine, fine, fine. We're fine. You're fine. Yeah, your marriage is crumbling. You're jamming your kids into Metro kids or in our generations going, fix them, fix them. There's a little demon in them. But here's what I love, man. This kid, this kid never cleaned himself up. You know what God never did? He never pointed his little finger at him. He hit the dad and go, where have you been? I want to know the details. And God doesn't do that. Because God already knows the details. You know your details. We understand, and there's this moment when you stand before God where you know you've been with the pigs. You know about the affair. You know about the porn addiction. You know that you're a workaholic. You know that you're not being the right kind of parent to your kids. You know, you know, you know. But thanks be to God. The man, he doesn't want you to feel the guilt or the shame, but he says, hey, I'm going to clean you up. Hey, I'm going to put the best on you. Hey, I'm going to restore this relationship, and I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for you, to clean you up so that you can become the full righteousness of God. Who is God? I'll tell you who he is. He's a father that loves like that. In this process, man, I'm... I'm just for me, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just learning more and more about this. And I know as we walk through life, there's ups and downs, and it's hard to trust God. But not when he's a father. Where one of my favorite theologians put it like this, he said this, to know God as our father. Our almighty loving Father is the highest, richest, and most rewarding aspect of our relationship with Him. And for me, I need to know this because life's hard. It doesn't get easier because I'm a preacher or I'm going to plant a church. In fact, I think it's got harder, okay? But knowing God's my dad, man. I've just been watching my relationship with my boys, and I think to end, I think why you can trust God so much as a father is because as you walk and grow, the relationship changes, but he stays the father. We're going to have two boys. We're uh, four and five, and my youngest 
If you've had kids, you know that man, when they're young, they come out of the womb and it is just like, boom, love. It's a father's love. And as we moved along in life, I remember taking that little kid home and, uh, and I remember getting him home and, and you're doing the goo goo gaga thing. I remember the first time that kid smiled at me. And I also remember the first time he peed on my face. <laughs> you know? And again, I, d- I just think as a father, what does fathers do in those moments, right? I giggle and I laugh. I go, man, you'd have made a mess of me, a mess of you. This is a mess. But you know what? I love you no matter what mess you're in. That's God. And then as I've watched my kids grow, man, um, maybe you have a relationship with God and you're growing and taking next steps, but it seems like every step you take, it's like one step forward and boom, five steps backwards and you're falling. Well, again, what does a father do? Um, the, I, th- I think he celebrates over the step. Or again, you just picture your own kid. If you have kids, like what happens? They're, they're flimbling, their legs are floppy, and then you set them up and you're like, walk, you know, and you got mom on the other side, like, come on, come on, come on. And they take one step and fall. They didn't, they, and we're like, they walk. They didn't walk, they stumbled and fell, you know? The kid did not walk. But what does a parent do with a kid that's fallen? You pick them up and go, you did it, son. You did it. You can do it again. You can do it again. You can do it again. Listen to me. If you have a relationship with God, that is his position to you. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. While I keep falling, get up and do it again. God's going to celebrate over you. Or maybe you're hurting and you're going, well, I got some issues. God's not going to let you land in those issues forever. You know that. He's going to see you through it. But it's not until it's medicated and you're through it is God done with it. And I know we don't like to hear that because we just want God to come in and sweep it out of our lives and listen to me, come back to my kid. He's older now, he's four. About a year ago, he's running around the church and I was being a good parent, just not watching him. And, uh, and I don't know what he did, but basically he jumped off something and just blasted his mouth on the tables, put his tooth right through his lip. Boom, I mean, it's a hole. I mean, you could shove your finger in there. So he comes to me, and, we're, we're, and he's just bleeding all over, you know, and, and I'm like going, wow, 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 this is intense. And we're like, as we're going to the hospital, you're getting stitches, you know? And my wife's like, why are you happy? I'm like, because he's a boy. And I'm like, you know, but here's the thing. We get there, and we get in the hospital, and here's what's crazy. is He's about two and a half, three years old at this stage, and I'm trying to sit him down. And I'm like, son, here's what's going to happen. Okay, they're going to sit you down, and they're going to take needles, and they're going to make you better. Daddy, daddy, I don't want to get better, you know? Daddy, daddy, I don't want to get my, my I don't want needles, you know? And, he, and I'm like, oh, no, no, you don't understand, son. A doctor is coming. And if you don't do this, son, like, you won't have a lip. If you don't do this, son, you will stay sick. Like, you will get sick. Like, you will get infection. You will die. You need this, son. Daddy, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. And then what had to happen, kid you not, here comes the doctors and here's dad having to pin my own son down. In a moment he doesn't understand, in a moment he can't comprehend, but I'm looking at him going, son, trust me, son, trust me. And I pin him down with his hands, head between my hands. He's flailing, 
He's crying. He's going, Dad, why would you do this to me? You ever had that conversation with God? Because he loves you too much to let sin stay in you and not get it out. And I know it hurts. But God's promise is to be the good father that sees you through it. Where that day, listen to me, he got better. He did. But here's the best part about a kid. He gets done, and who's he turned to? Daddy. Don't miss this. The only reason that he turned to daddy, because for that kid, all he knows is a lifetime of daddy loving him and seeing him through it. And I don't know where you're at, but I think that picture of God is where we need to land. Because it right-sizes God. Where you want to know what glory is? Come back to that. Our position, give glory to God. It's a weird word. Not for a kid, it's not. Here's what giving glory to God means. God, I believe in you can get me through it. God, I know you're loving me in this. And we lift our hands in submission to a God that's going to take care of us. And so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to pray over us. The command of Scripture is that whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's a process. And so I don't know where you're at, but here's what I would like. Is whatever you're going through, and I don't know what it is, But let's start this process now. Saying, God, you're a father. And I need your help with, and fill in the blank. Maybe you're here and you've never met Jesus. Maybe you don't know the gospel. Maybe you're like, well, how, where do I fit into this? Because I don't, I've never met Christ here. I'm not quite a Christian. Listen to me. Here's where your next step is. Is to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Listen to me. There's a God that was a father that loved you so much that he sent his son to pay for your sin, to forgive you of your sin and to wash you clean so that you could have a relationship with him. So maybe that's where you're at and you're going, man, I, I, I need that. And here's your prayer. God, forgive me. Come into my life. And make, help me to make you the Lord of my life. And wherever you're at, let me just pray for us. God, God, let us know that you're our Father. God, beyond anything else, The thing that scripture tells us over and over and over again is, God, you are God that is a father to those that are far from you. God, that you might allow us to drift into wild living, but God, you come and save us. And so God, let that be where our starting point. God, let that be the thing that marks us that shifts us, that allows us to trust you 
and take one next step in this process to give glory to you. In your name we pray.